Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. Bill Schlegel here. The title of this podcast is The Way Some Trinitarians Read the Bible or Some Possible Trinitarian Bible Translations. I'll also talk about the Trinitarian claim that the word Elohim, which is grammatically a plural, suggests or hints or means that God is a trinity. So to my friends who believe that God is a trinity or that they believe in the, quote, deity of Christ, I was once like you. I took it on authority and thought that the Bible presented Jesus as a transnatured God-man, although I wouldn't have said that he was transnatured. That's what we were really claiming, that he was God, but that he became man, or he took on humanity. Okay, I knew Jesus was a human, but I thought there were a handful of biblical verses that also showed that Jesus is God, or that he must have been a second person of a Godhead that took on flesh. I now see that those handful of verses that I thought showed the deity of Jesus don't. To interpret those handful of scriptures as evidence that Jesus is God does injustice to the scriptures and brings only confusion and contradiction. There are better ways to understand that handful of scriptures. John 1, Colossians 1, Philippians chapter 2. Over the last years, a number of biblical texts have been presented to me to show that, quote, Jesus is God and that God is a trinity. So now I will translate some of those biblical texts, starting with a few texts from the book of Genesis, in the way that my Trinitarian or Deity of Christ friends seem to be reading these texts. My aim is to show that what they think is in the text is not in the text, and that it is only their preconceived theological presuppositions that are being forced into the text or read into the text so that the text will say what they want the text to say. It's called eisegesis, putting what you want to think the text says into the text. The process is to look for any little sentence or phrase in the Bible that might fit your preconceived notion of the Trinity or a God-man Jesus. Now, my translations and explanations are made tongue-in-cheek, although many of the comments are explanations I've heard from friends. For instance, I'll use the title God the Son even though this title never occurs in the Bible. God is not a son. But people use this title, God the Son. So I'll use it in my tongue-in-cheek little explanations here in just a second. Again, I'm doing this to hopefully help people see the inconsistencies, contradictions, and sometimes absurdities of the Trinitarian and Deity of Christ interpretations. If Jesus is God, or if God is a trinity, we should expect the scriptures to read something like like I'm going to translate. 
I recommend comparing my tongue-in-cheek translations with real translations. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Okay, so let's start with Genesis 1.1. If the Trinity is God, this is what we would have expected the Bible to read like. And this is the way that my Trinitarian friends are reading or interpreting the text. And then I'll follow with some kind of, again, tongue-in-cheek comments as people have explained to me. Here's the translation, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, the Trinity created the heavens and the earth. The word for God in Hebrew, Elohim, is plural. So the Trinity is at least hinted at, if not outright presented here in Genesis 1.1, and in other occurrences of the word Elohim. The ancient Israelites only got a clue that they didn't totally understand the multiplicity of persons of God within Elohim, the plural Elohim. God couldn't tell them outright he was more than one person. Because the Israelites might have been polytheists. They would have wandered to believing in more than one God. Later, hundreds of years later, it would be shown that God is three persons. Okay, it's true that neither Jesus nor anyone else in the New Testament explained that the plural Elohim means a multiplicity of persons, specifically three, right? the Trinity. But if we take into account all of Scripture, the Trinity is everywhere in the Bible. Now, we might come back to the fact that in Hebrew, the verb for create, that God created in Genesis 1.1, is a masculine singular, even though there is more than one God creating. Because we know that Jesus was the creator, right? Colossians chapter 1, he created everything. Let's go to Genesis 1.26. Here's our translation of Genesis 1.26. And God the Father said to God the Son and to God the Spirit, Let us make man in our image. Now let's comment on this word Elohim again. Now we translate it as God the Father, even though in Genesis 1.1, we translated Elohim as the Trinity. There's almost no need to comment on this text, since as just about every pastor knows, this verse is an obvious reference to the Trinity. There's only one little problem, because although we know that the plural Elohim is Trinity, right, and as we saw in Genesis 1.1, we understand here that Elohim must be referring only to one member of the Trinity, the Father. We can ignore the contradiction. The plural Elohim means the Trinity when we want it to mean the Trinity, but only one member of the Godhead when we want it to mean that. Since Elohim said, let us, that's the plural, make, he, the Father, right, it's got to be the Father, must be speaking to one or both of the other persons of the Trinity, that he spoke to God the Son and to God the Spirit. It's not in the original text, but this is what it means. It's a mystery that only God the Father thought of creating man in their image, 
and then proposed the idea to the other members of the Godhead, who didn't seem to consider the idea originally. We can be thankful that God the Father suggested creating mankind and that the other persons of the Trinity agreed. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. One other comment. It doesn't matter that the vast majority of even the Trinitarian academic scholars in our day admit that the plural Elohim and let us make man have absolutely nothing to do with God being a tripersonal being. These Trinitarian scholars think there are better ways to understand Elohim and Genesis 1.26. But we don't care, and what the average Christian doesn't know can't hurt them. We're sticking with this interpretation, and we'll keep it in our translation. And God the Father said to God the Son and God the Spirit, Let us make man in our image. Let's just go to the next verse, Genesis 1.27. So the Trinity created man in its image. In the image of the Trinity, they created him. Male and female, they created them. Okay, a comment again on the word Elohim. So the Trinity, as we translated it, created. Since one member of the Trinity was speaking to other members before creating man, Elohim, the word here for God, must be the Trinity again, unlike in the previous verse where Elohim was only God the Father. For us, Elohim, this generic word for God, is a flexible term. We can interpret Elohim as singular or plural, changing from one verse to the next if needed. And now a word about the verb created. This is a singular verb. It's problematic as are the thousands of other masculine singular verbs, actually tens of thousands of other masculine singular verbs, masculine singular pronouns, masculine singular adjectives used with the word God, Elohim. Since God is three persons, it must be because God is one essence, not one person that the ancient biblical languages used thousands of masculine singular verbs, pronouns, and adjectives with Elohim. And since God is an essence, one essence, we are justified in translating the Trinity created man in its image. All right, this is Bill. I'm going to interrupt myself here for a second and just say a few words about this word Elohim being plural. Does it mean that there's more than one person who is God? The answer is simply no. And I think this more than one person idea is presented by people who really don't know Hebrew. They hear that the im on the end of the word is the plural. So they say, oh, Elohim, that must mean more than one. So let me challenge you, if you make this claim, go and find one Hebrew grammar that's used in a college or seminary course that states that the word Elohim means more than one person in the Godhead. Every Trinitarian Hebrew grammar knows that this has nothing to do 
with more than one person in God. The claim that the word Elohim as a grammatical plural means that there's more than one in the word would mean that you translate this word as God's. And sometimes it does mean God's. And you can see in the Hebrew Bible if it means more than one God, because it's accompanied by plural verbs, plural adjectives, when the authors speak of the gods of the heathens, of the pagans. But it doesn't mean person. What you're doing in your own mind is thinking that the plural gods somehow means persons. It does not mean persons. The word El, Eloha, Elohim means God. So if you want to translate this as plural, it would mean gods. You would say, in the beginning, gods created the heavens and the earth. But then you would have a problem. So it doesn't mean a plurality of persons. If you want to translate this as a plural, it means a plurality of gods. And this is the reason why the Hebrew scholars are loath to make this claim. This is simply an internet and pastor on the street, however you want to call it, kind of claim. But the Hebrew scholars know if you're going to translate this word as a plural, it means gods. And now you are not a monotheist. So what is really going on with the grammatical plural form Elohim? The Hebrew grammarians call this the plural of majesty or the plural of excellence or the honorific plural. It's an honorific address. It's used especially with the word God, Elohim, but also with the word for sir or master or lord and even Baal for Baal master or lord. It's used to indicate respect or majesty for one single individual. Like Abraham is one single individual, but he's called the master lord with a grammatical plural. Hebrew grammarians realize that these types of plurals don't mean more than one we don't really have a good comparison in English. But shouldn't that be expected? We're talking about a language that's some 3,000 years older than our language today, used in an ancient Near Eastern context, a geographical area that is far distant from us today. So if you're claiming that Elohim is a hint at the Trinity, you're showing your ignorance of the Hebrew language. So, if you're showing off your Hebrew knowledge and claiming that the grammatical plural Elohim hints at or means more than one person in a Godhead, let me give you a couple of other challenges. Explain why the words in Hebrew for faithful, youth, old age, engagement, that these are grammatical plurals in the Hebrew language, or childlessness, understanding, atonement. Why are these grammatical plurals in Hebrew? And then secondly, take a look at the word for sir, master, or lord in 
the Bible, the word adon, and see if it is ever used as a plural to refer to one individual person. If you think that the word Elohim has the idea of more than one Elohim when referring to the God of Israel, then you should also be able to explain why the word Adon, which means Lord, not yud vav which is the name of the God of Israel, but the word Lord, Adon, like Lord Salisbury, or in the sense of the word Sir, Look in the Bible and find out if the word Lord is ever used in the plural to refer to a singular individual. You will find that it is tens of times. Elijah is called Lords, your Lords. You would not translate the word Adon in a plural sense when referring to Elijah as Lords. Elijah is one person. You see, This is the nature of the Hebrew language. This is the plural of respect, or the plural of majesty. A person might learn that im is the masculine plural and think it has only to do with numerical number. It doesn't. It's a plural of majesty. Again, find the word Lord, Adon, in the Hebrew Bible, and see the tens and tens of times that the plural of majesty is used for one individual. Do you want me to give you a few references? Check out Judges 19.11, Judges 19.26, 1 Samuel 25.14, 1 Samuel 25.17, 1 Kings 1.47, 1 Kings 11.23, 1 Kings 18.14, 1 Kings 18.24, 2 Kings 1, 2, 2 Kings 2, 3, 2 Kings 2, 5, 2 Kings 2, 16, and on and on, and many more. All of these use the plural word Lord for one individual person. So don't say that Elohim means more than one person. It's just ignorance that suggests that. I've even heard it said on the internet that the word Adonai, the plural form, referring to God, means the plural of the tetragrammaton Yudhe Vavhe. It's just a silly, silly suggestion. And the person parades around like he's a Hebrew scholar, and he says that the word Adonai is the plural form of Yudhe Vavhe. Please check a Hebrew grammar. But in addition to all that, do you see the confusion that the Trinitarian ideas insert into the biblical text? To say that Elohim is sometimes a Trinity, sometimes the Father, they're going to do the same thing with Yudhe Vavhe. They're going to say that Yudhe Vavhe is sometimes the Father, sometimes, quote unquote, a pre incarnate God the Son who appears. It's just a mass confusion. It might look theoretically possible when a person suggests it, but when you start to just scratch the surface a little bit, there's nothing but confusion and lies behind these assertions. Jeremiah 23:36 You have perverted the words of the living God, Yod Vavhe of hosts. 
our God. Another point is sometimes the God of Israel is referred to with the singular form El. For instance, Psalm 90, verse 2. Umeolam ve'adolam ata El. And from everlasting to everlasting, you. And in Hebrew, there is a singular form of you. This is one person, one individual. You are God. So, which individual person was the psalmist speaking about when he said, Ata El? And this is not just an individual occurrence. Many times the God of Israel is referred to with the singular El. In addition to that, the God of Israel, Elohim, is referred to with the singular pronoun You. The Hebrew language has numbers in their pronouns and gender. Thousands and thousands of times. For instance, let me read one time from Psalm chapter 86, where it is recorded that all the nations will come before you, masculine singular you, Adonai, and they will honor your name, masculine singular your, Kigadol Ata, because you. Masculine singular with a masculine singular adjective. Ata Elohim levadecha. You, masculine singular, are God alone. You alone, masculine singular again. This is a singular person. Elohim ata Elohim levadecha. Singular masculine. There is no hint of the tri-personal nature of God in the Hebrew. Over and over again in the Hebrew Bible, yod heh Elohim, God is Ata, you masculine singular. My Trinitarian deity of Christ friends seem to read the Bible like it's a code book, as if God or the authors that God spoke through could not or did not want to communicate clearly. Nowhere in the Bible is God described as a triunity of persons in one God. God is nowhere described as being a trinity. And nowhere in the Bible is one member of that tripersonal God described as a God man. But Trinitarians read the Bible thinking that there are little hints, and these hints and clues need to be put together, and presto, the triune God and a God-man appear in the pages of the Bible. It's a claim that the authors of scriptures really weren't very good teachers, that they didn't teach things clearly, but only hinted at these essential, amazing truths about who God is and the Messiah are. If you'd like to know more about the word Elohim and how when it refers to the God of Israel, it doesn't mean a plurality of persons. If anything, it's actually a, could be a plurality of powers because the word El is most likely related to a power, an authority. So if anything, it would be related to a plurality of powers, that all authority and powers in the God of Israel. It does not mean persons. 
as I mentioned, if you're going to translate this as a plural, it's gods. But if you want to know more about the plural of majesty, the plural of excellence, I recommend listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast by Dustin Smith. It's number 139, An Introduction to the Plural of Majesty Within the Hebrew Bible. I'll put a link in the show notes. In a future podcast, I would like to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the passage about the burning bush, where Trinitarians, comparing the Gospel of John chapter 8, insist that Jesus was claiming to be the God that appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Is that what Exodus 3.14 and John 8.58 say? Yishma'u anavim ve'yismahu. The humble will hear and rejoice.